Welcome to already the eighth episode of The Normal World, a podcast where former elite athletes share their stories. Not so much about their sport careers, but about how they found their way back into normal life. In this episode, I spoke with Kim, a former professional squash player from Norway. We talked about how he started his career in Norway, why he moved to the Netherlands to progress his career even further, and how he had to quit due to chronic fatigue illness. I'm Anna Leitz and welcome to the normal world of Kim Are Killingberg. Hi, how are you? Good, thanks. <laughs> thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks for having me. We're going to talk about squash today, right? That's right. Yeah. So tell me, how did you get into the sport? Uh, I started working in a gym when I was uh, 15 and they had squash courts and basically started from there. Um, my mom uh, took um, squash lessons with the local coach and uh, I guess he saw some sort of talent in me and uh, gave me his old racket and wanted me to join a bit more. Put me in the junior group, but uh, my level was a little bit above the rest of the junior group. They were a bit younger and I was a bit more physically developed. So then quickly into the seniors. And I think that's where it got me, you know, and then started competing in like a local competition. We called it a ladder. And uh, yeah, it just uh, was a lot of fun. So uh, what did you like about the sport? At the moment, I also did the soccer, the Olympic weightlifting. And uh, with the soccer, I came from a good team, had to move to a less good team. And a bit of trouble with the team and uh, changing coaches. And, you know, it wasn't that serious. And for me, it was the individuality of it and being able to, you know, the hard work I put into it, I could get out of it, I would get rewarded. And if I did something wrong or didn't train hard enough, then I would be punished and you would see it in the results. So I just like going from a team sport to an individual sport. Yeah, that's basically... Uh, yeah, and how many hours it. were you practicing when you first started? Well, when I first started, I don't think I looked at the hours because, you know, uh, you're young and you're just having fun, right? You come from that that period of time when it goes from fun to serious but you know it was always based on fun for me and at that time I probably trained way too much because I had to really? bike 20 kilometers a day and the weightlifting and the soccer trainings and squash so I think after a year of doing that and I was good for my physicality but it was just too much focus was everywhere so in the end I just uh, stopped it and uh, only focused on squash. So what did you specifically loved about squash? Because at some point you had to make a decision and you chose squash over weightlifting and soccer. Yeah, well what I always said was like I said that I could do it all myself and I could train as hard as I wanted and uh, if I was lazy I was being punished but why squash specifically? I think I am a person that gets easily bored with things like I can't do long distance stuff running swimming biking but it goes very fast you know some people say it's like chess 100 miles an hour um, you have to think real fast and it's very physical it's just full sprint from start to finish very little rest and it's just intense you know so like after an hour of playing now you've had a lot of fun you had a good workout but you didn't even notice what you were doing you don't have time like even in tennis there's bigger breaks and you have time to feel your body and feel oh i'm tired but in squash i feel like you don't even have time for that i can relate to that we did squash in our physical education i always was knackered after the squash yeah. hour there you go <laughs> at some point it became more seriously i guess so how did that evolve 
Well, I think in that age, you kind of discover your, you know, if you have an athlete's mind or not, like how competitive are you and what do you put into it? You know, I was already in the sports college at the time. I started with soccer. Sports college, can you explain? Yeah, so after high school, so when you're around 15, then you specialize in your education. In Norway? Yeah, in Norway. Yeah, I'm from Norway, so. And then um, I chose a sports college. That was for the athletes and those who were serious in sports because you can train your sport and you also learn a lot about physical education. You study anatomy, physiology, biomechanics, coaching, etc. So that was already the path that I that I chose. So yeah, yeah. that's the uh, sports college. Were you practicing the sport as an elite athlete back then? No, because I got started uh, at that time. Yeah. So it was quite late for any athlete, I think, around 15 years old. So it wasn't an elite uh, athlete or anything then. And like I said before, it was ba- mainly based on fun. Right, but at the time, you know, it's just a changing of sports. So I went from the soccer group to the individual sports group, where you could uh, practice your sport individually. So it was a good start. But yeah, at the time, I wasn't thinking like an elite athlete. I was just thinking, now this is fun. I wanna, I wanna do this. And uh, like I said, you know, you develop then more the focus. And as you progress and you find, uh, you know, it's more fun and you're progressing, you're doing better. You're competing more. Yeah, from then on, it basically just went uh, onward and upwards. So did you uh, progress to any regional teams while you were in the sports college or national teams? Yeah, it went pretty fast. Um, I started in my local club and there was already a couple of good squash players there. That also helped me a lot. And uh, I think they were interested in seeing someone young and actually keen to do this little sport. They helped me out a lot and took time to to train me, which I'm I'm, uh, forever grateful for. And after, I think it was a year or a year and a half, not long, then uh, they uh, said, uh, now, maybe you can try to play a junior tournament because I played only with seniors. So I went to the capital, I went to Oslo and uh, played uh, my first tournament. I joined the junior class and the seniors class and... uh, I ended up beating the whole national team for juniors. Really? And uh, <laughs> I did not expect that at all because I was looking at pictures online of these players that were amazing, playing with uh, the Norwegian flag on their chests, you know. But uh, that went overall expectation. And the national coach was there and he, he saw that. So he invited me for uh, the next national training squad and also a trip to Sweden to, uh, yeah, for training camp. So yeah, it went really fast, um, and of course that adds more fuel to the fire. Then uh, all of a sudden, now you're in the national team. You know, you can play uh, tournaments with the national team, and just saying that, you know, it just sounds great for a young boy. You know, and it doesn't really matter uh, that uh, we're not the best in the world, but just representing your country. You know, and coming from something completely different and jumping into this, all of a sudden you're in the national team. It's a bit of a shock, but you know, you just feel very proud. It's just, it's just fun, you know? How many hours were you training back then when you were in the national team and in sports college? And sounds like a lot together. Yeah, but like I said, it's all still based on fun. And that's yeah, when you start developing that mentality. And at the time I wasn't tracking my hours. I was still learning about training, um, you know, physiology and uh, coaching and all that kind of stuff. So I'm still gaining a lot of, yeah, information to use for uh, for my training. But yeah, how many hours at the time? 
it's hard to say. I don't really know. I know what I did as a professional athlete because yeah, then you are serious. But at the time, it's still in that uh, transition phase. Which is good, I guess, because you need to love something to be able to do it so many hours a day, a week. Yeah, absolutely. Did you experience any disadvantages from starting like squash at a later age? Um, Well, squash is a small sport and uh, in the world as well. And in Norway, it is uh, a small squash country in the big world. So there's not that much structure and not enough people to play, uh, quality of coaches, etc. And it's a big country, it's hard to travel, to compete, etc. So I already started late, but it went quite quickly to get to a high level in Norway, but that doesn't really say much. So at that time, that was just, you know, fun to compete on a high level, but you didn't notice your disadvantages until later because at the time you're only competing in Norway and then you're doing good now that's good enough for then but later then you notice okay if you're going to compete with the other players in the world internationally they are so much better now they started when they were five years old you know so then you see the difference and the disadvantage of starting late yeah but at the time you weren't noticing it No, exactly. And I was always a bit of more of a physical talent. Uh, I could basically drop into any sport and I would do reasonably okay with just compensating. You know, it's a bit the same with squash as well. So I wasn't the most talented with the racket, but I could compensate a lot with my physicality and, you know, wear them out and keep running and pick all the balls up. Right. So that kept me at a decent level for a while. But yeah, that was also a bit of a disadvantage starting later because you know the the motorics and everything especially the fine motorics develop easier when you're younger and we start at a younger age definitely yeah so when you were progressing towards like national team level did you have any goals in mind what you wanted to achieve with squash yeah from then on it went pretty quick and that's good as well when you start late to get that mindset in early so then of course you look at the, the next thing And I always say I I was always micro-ambitious, not macro-ambitious. I never said from day one I'm going to be world champion or so, but it started with the local club ladder. And now I want to play on court one. Those were the best players, you know. And once I was there and playing national team and I saw, oh, I can beat these guys. Now, then I thought, hey, national championship. Now, maybe I I can do well there. Now, that would be fun, but I never played it before, so... I gave it a go, but apparently there were better players than the ones that I played in that tournament. So I ended up second in my first uh, championship. Senior championship? No, junior. Junior. Ah, junior. Yeah. I was still a junior. But then, of course, yeah, then you want more. And then you think, oh, now, next year I want to win it. Unfortunately, I got injured the day before the tournament. Oh, no. Then my left meniscus went. But then I was number one for the whole year and undefeated. But yeah, I limped my way through and somehow made it to the final. But then I met a player that was still pretty good level. And then I ended up second again. So I didn't get my win as a junior. But yeah, add fuel to the fire and now it's going. And now we just want more. But I always looked at the small steps ahead of me. Okay, now I want a little bit more and then get a little bit better. And yeah. So after you graduated college, you had a bit of a setback with your career. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, then in Norway, uh, military service is still mandatory. So I had to go to the army or as a national team player, you don't have to. 
but you're allowed to if you want to. I said, uh, now I want to go for the experience, but I still want to be able to train. So I got a certificate from the Squash Federation stating I was a national team player. Presented it to my first officer. He said, now no problem. You have to do the basic training. Everyone has to do that. And then we'll station you where you can train. And then I did the basic training. Then I got shipped off to do a course uh, on the other side of the country. Presented the paper to that officer. He ripped it apart, said, no, nah, doesn't no matter. No way. <laughs> this, uh, yeah, you're in the army now. And uh, we decide. And then he needed uh, someone with my skills at his camp. So then I was uh, stationed in the middle of nowhere for a year. You couldn't play squash at all? No. Oh, wow. That must have been hard. Yes. Yes. Because yeah, it's an important part of your uh, yeah, sports development. You know, say I was two and a half, three years in and then really wanted to go for it. You know, now it's really fun and I really want to train seriously. And then you get put back and uh, army training is very different. You add uh, 10 kilos to your body and uh, become a lot slower. So that was a bit of a setback. Did you um, gain any experience from being in the army that you use in like further on in your career? Or like maybe in life after squash? No. No? Not at all? <laughs> maybe you expect a different answer. but Yeah, maybe I did. Yeah. No, okay. Yeah. No, I, I really don't... Uh... I don't think so. Now they say, you know, it's about uh, respect and routines and uh, those types of things. But I think it's very similar to being an elite athlete, like mentality wise. Or is that yeah. a, a wrong assumption? Yeah, maybe for some athletes, maybe for some athletes that have more of a team around them with the coach and, you know, managers to tell them what to do, you know, listen and uh, do your thing, maybe for the team, for yourself. But I didn't really have that career. I was mostly on my own and had to do my own thing. So for me, it had to come from within myself to be disciplined and to do the right things. I didn't really have anyone to order me around like in the army. Which is a very good thing to have intrinsic motivation, I guess, as being an elite athlete. So after that year, because you, you were in the army for a year, right? Yeah. And after the year in the army, what happened? Yeah, then... Then I could get serious and then I really missed it, of course. And uh, I really wanted to get started. And at the time, the national team was based in Stavanger, so far away from where I grew up and started squash. So I just wanted to go for it. So I just flew over, uh, got a job at the gym where they had the squash courts and just uh, started training my ass off. And from there on, I really got serious. And then I was in the right environment with good players. There was a lot of players. So I could train every day, uh, twice a day. Uh, I was already at the gym working there. And then it took about six months before I could compete with the top guys. Already? So you were out for a year and then after six months you were already back on your former yeah. level? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, even better, I would say. Wow. But of course they, they help push you, you know, to get better. And if you're in the right environment and stimulus and the facilities are right there. You just train every day, work as hard as you want. And that, like I said, I already had the physical background. And yeah, that helped me, of course, to just, just keep up with them for long enough to develop the skills I needed to be able to challenge them. And to be able to challenge them doesn't necessarily mean that I beat them every time, but I was able to play with them and get close and, you know, keep up. So then you, I think, progressed to the senior level after you came out of the army. Yeah, then you are already a senior. Okay. At 19... And then you're a senior and then you have to compete in the senior ranks. 
And at that time, I was around 20 in Norway or so. And then after a year, yeah, timeline is a little bit fuzzy. That's okay. Say a year, year and a half, yeah, maybe even two years. Then I was up to around two. And that also went relatively fast. And at that time, I was just happy with now reaching a final here and there and, uh, you know, competing with the number one. But at some point, that went on a bit too long, I would say, that I was just happy being number two. So at some point, I just had to tell myself to now just go for it. And you have to, you have to beat this guy at some point because I played the same guy every tournament. And uh, yeah, I remember before one tournament, they called from a newspaper or something or a radio or whatever and uh, asked like, yeah, now what are your predictions for tomorrow's match in the final? And then I just said it. Okay, I'm going to win it. I'm, I'm going to win. And they like, oh, uh, you sound very confident. And before then, I didn't really think too much about it. I was just happy to be number two. But now, now something has to happen. I have to do it soon. So I just told now I'm going to win it. And it was a tough match, but I did win. And that was my first win over then the number one. Oh, wow. So you became national champion. Uh, that was not the national championship. Oh, it was. Okay. Um, and that season, I think he beat me still once after that. And then after that, I didn't really look back. And then same year, on his home court, I became uh, Norwegian champion for the first time. And then I think that was the goal back then. What was the next goal? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. And then the following season as well, same thing. I didn't lose. And then I had to look at the next step. And my coach at the time uh, was Dutch. And he said, uh, now, if you want to keep progressing and do something uh, with your squash, then you need to move abroad. I have contacts in Holland. There's a great team there, great atmosphere, a lot of international players. So uh, if you want to, I can help you out. And I think only a few months after, my bags were packed and uh, off to Holland. All alone? Yeah, all alone. Oh, wow. So... Um... You got to Holland and then how, how did it evolve? <laughs> yeah, then I started training with the, the Dutch national team. So they had a very uh, good atmosphere and very open. So they all, always invited international players to train with them, also for their benefit, of course. But I was uh, one of the lower level ones coming here. But that was the whole idea. You know, staying in Norway, a small country uh, for squash and, uh, you know, being on top doesn't, yeah, it doesn't push you. And that's why I came here as well, to be able to push myself to become even better. So, uh, yeah, then you're a small fish all of a sudden and have to play with the big boys. And uh, that's when you realize a lot of these things. Now, okay, I'm really not that good, you know, at all. And these guys have been playing since they were young and they're doing all these things. And, you know, it really opens your eyes. But the mentality was there. So now I just wanted to do everything I could to get close to these guys. And at the time, also playing around a little bit with playing some international tournaments. Of course, in the beginning, it was enough to play in Holland. Good enough tournaments. And then I saw all these other boys uh, playing professional. Now, that also seemed fun. Also, just to yeah, be able to give it a go and to try it and to do it. So, yeah, from there on, a uh, little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And after a, a few years, uh, full-time. And then you were like a professional squash player. Yeah. So you mentioned previously that that was different from being like in sports college and just it was all about fun and having fun in the sport. How is that different to being a professional athlete all of a sudden? 
Yeah, well, you see all these people around you as well that you're training with now. They're on a different level also mentally. And some of them were already playing professional, you know, and very high level, top 20 in the world, etc. And you see how far it up is, is up to them, which is a little bit demotivating as well. But of course, there's a lot of people in between there. And, you know, like I said, you're micro ambitious and you look at the guy in front of you. Now I'm going to get him next. That was a big gap in the beginning, but you get a little bit closer and then you get you beat him and then you want to beat the next guy. And then it just goes from there. But still, yeah, it was a, a couple of years of brutal truths, you know, also playing internationally and playing uh, other players from around the world, seeing basically how good they are. And I think in any sport you choose, what I've noticed, any sporter who does own sport seriously says his sport is the most difficult. Yeah. <laughs> His sport is the toughest because they know all the little things, all the small steps on the ladder and how much it takes to be on the top, right? Yeah. And it's the same with squash. You see how far it is up. You think, now I can hit the ball in the wall and I can run back and forth, you know, but there's so much to it. So that's really where, you know, the professional attitude and mentality like really stuck in. Like, okay, now it's not enough to give 110% every day. You have to take a rest, you know, you have to watch your, what you eat. Uh, you cannot, you know, go drink every weekend. Uh, you have to cut out a lot of social life like you and uh, your other guests have mentioned several times. Uh, then you have to really give it your all and get small percentages everywhere. And at the same time, of course, I was uh, also studying uh, in university in Amsterdam and learning also a lot about the body and how the body works and getting a lot of tools that I could use for my training. But all that together, you know, kind of made that everything more professional. And so you basically went into the professional bubble. Yeah, exactly. And of course, it stimulates you to be in an environment with other professionals as well, learning from them, getting good tips. So it was the right place to be, I think. But uh, a bit of a reality check. Can imagine. <laughs> but uh, absolutely great fun and uh, very valuable. So... The bigger goal was to move to the Netherlands and progress internationally as a professional athlete. Yeah. Did you accomplish that in the end? Well, yeah, yes and no. Yeah, are you going to compare yourself to, you know, the top dogs in the sport? Like I never became world champion or anything uh, even close to that. Um, I became the highest ranked Norwegian player internationally ever, but you know, it's a small country, what does it matter? Now, it mattered for me, you know, but I made it to giving it a go. And reaching my goals. Um, but yeah, internationally, I didn't make it big, but that was never really in the cards. You know, uh, where I came from, starting late, the country I came from. But, uh, you know, just lucky to have the experience, being able to give it a go. What was the goal when you became a professional athlete? Can you, like, specify that or is that difficult? Yeah, I think it is because, like I told you, I was more micro-ambitious. So... For professional squash players, it's often about the world ranking. How high can you get up? Like in tennis. Yeah. And maybe getting a tournament win along the way, you know, or stuff like that. But because I was, you know, around 150 in the world or so, like the world championship is a bit too far away. You know, and with, with our national team, we could progress and maybe win our division and stuff. You know, that, that was goals. But it's, it's small in the big picture. For me, yeah, I wanted... 
uh, more national titles. That was within my reach, right? And then, okay, I could try to reach, okay, top 150. That was a goal, you know? But yeah, those are my goals which, yeah. that are big for me. But yeah, small in the big picture. It doesn't sound that impressive. But I just always wanted to get better. That is basically, and it's always been my goals to always progress, even if it's just a little bit. I think that's a great mindset to have that micro goals in mind instead of always focusing on the big picture. And maybe if it's not within your reach, you're basically always failing. Whereas with your like micro goals, then you can like have a higher chance to, to accomplish those goals. So it's, I think it's a great mindset. Well, every little bit helps, right? And if you accomplish uh, 100 micro goals, maybe there's a macro in sight, you know. But uh, yeah, now I'm happy with uh, how things went. And uh... At some point, um, you got, like, in your professional career, you had, had setbacks. And um, can you maybe elaborate on that a bit? The big setback or the smaller setbacks? Well, I think uh, I'm referring to the big setback because uh, at some point you became ill, right? Yes, yeah. Yeah, what happened, I think, around 2012, 2013, I got um, the EBV, the Epstein-Barr virus, uh, mononucleosis, or you call it Pfeiffer. Yes. But I didn't know I had it. Um, so the first time I noticed, I was actually in, in Norway, I think, at a national championship where I just had the flu. And I thought, okay, now, normally I have the flu for one day, then it passes, and then I'm good again. But it lasted. You know, I had it on the Friday. The tournament started. On the Saturday, I still felt terrible. And I still had to try to play. It ended up being one of my best performances ever. Oh. Being able to compete at maybe around 50% or so. Like mentally, tactically. But in any case, yeah. I was, I was sick longer than normal. Okay, now. That can happen. And then go back home to Holland start training again and then I remember I was sick for a week flu for a week heavy flu and I didn't know where that came from and I thought now I missed a week of training I have to train double as hard and then come back train double as hard at the flu again for a week now that's super unlucky and then come back after another week train three times as hard and then my body just says uh, no you're done and then uh, you had no clue what was happening no and then I was uh, yeah, out for uh, yeah, months and months and months and I didn't get better and just walking stairs wore me out and felt like I had the flu constantly, months and months and months. And then how I knew something was really wrong and I haven't trained or even done any physical activity in half a year. So yeah, then I went into research mode and tried to figure out what was going on to the doctor, of course, blood test, etc. Now they saw that I had the virus. That was one thing, and that can also last for a while, you know, months of fatigue, etc. But it continued on month 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, etc. And I was still sick and just, wasn't even just that I got tired, but I got like physically ill just from doing simple things. So yeah, that put me out for then uh, one and a half years. How did you dealt with that mentally? Yeah, well, I think a lot of people would, would expect, you know, you'd be complaining about now you can't do your sport and uh, those types of things. But at the time, I was just focused on getting healthy. I just wanted to walk stairs again, you know, get into my apartment in Amsterdam uh, without uh, having to lay down for uh, three months. 
Well, maybe the whole micro ambitious thing comes into it, but yeah, I didn't look at the big picture, but yeah, when you're feeling that sick as I felt, you just want to get back to normal life again. You just want to be able to, you know, go for a walk or see your friends or, you know, just normal things long before even thinking about uh, doing sports again. So yeah, naturally it sucked and it was uh, a big blow, but yeah, maybe not for the reasons that you would expect thinking about the sport. Yeah, I just want to get uh, healthy again. How long did it took you to get healthy again? or And how did it evolve with your like professional career? Because that must be difficult. Yeah, in the beginning, of course, then you look at the, the quick options like, oh, I maybe I can freeze my professional membership, you know, and then you start again in a couple of months. You think, and yeah, I'm out for a little bit and then I'll start again. And of course, you look at the tournament schedule and what you can do and even told the national team, like, I'll be ready for the Europeans, you know, don't worry, uh, I'll be fine. But then, you know, you cancel one thing after the next and then you see that it's taking a long time. And uh, yeah, probably after half a year or longer, then you think, okay, now uh, this, this is just lost now. Just leave this. And then I tell everyone, okay, I'll be back when I'm better. Because if you lose eight, nine, ten months of training, That's you're pretty worthless anyway. And you need at least another six months to get back again. And of course, after a year and a half, then you know for sure, yeah, this is going to get tough. I wasn't even that old. I think I was 26. So I could still do something with the sport. But I had to get healthy first. So uh, I think after I figured things out a little bit, after a year, year and a half, then I slowly tried to build up um, yeah, physical, physicality again. And just starting really small, just walking stairs. And then walking two flights of stairs, etc., etc., and build it up and... Once I was at a level where I could do normal things again, then uh, I noticed that my body responded better to, you know, being on the squash court, maybe hitting some balls and doing some small movements, like not more than 20 minutes. It responded better than lifting weights, for example, or doing other things like running or so. So I thought, okay, now then I'll use this as a measurement for my recovery, because of course I know the level I was at and uh, now I'm on this level. So then I know how it's going with me. And it goes very much up and down. So you train a little bit and then you're sick for a few months and then you can start again and you train a little bit and then you're out for a month, etc., etc. Wasn't that very demotivating? Yes, but you learn how to deal with it. And when it shows a pattern, then you're expecting it. True. And expecting something is better than the unexpected. So you just make mental tricks and barriers for yourself to stay strong. Because yeah, if you lose your mind, then everything's lost. So you have to stay strong. And then it just went slow, but it went forward, you know? And even if it takes a while, as long as it's getting better, right? And it was getting better. Overall, yeah. So you got into playing squash again. I played, uh, I ended up, yeah, playing a bit of squash again. And after two and a half years or so, I was on court and playing simple games and doing simple things. And uh, after a while, it was so good that I could also join the national team trainings again. I played also a couple of tournaments in Norway, but I was still too sick, but I gave it a go. And eventually, yeah, I got back to playing in the national team again, but it wasn't the same. I wasn't the How same. So? Well, mentally and physically. Physically, I was a lot weaker than before. Uh, mentally, I didn't trust my physique anymore. 
I can imagine, yeah. Because you know, okay, if I train too hard, I get sick. It's always like a block in your mind. And I talked about being mentally strong, but I'm also not Superman, you know. But I, I can imagine you're always trusting your body to respond the way like you want it to. And then all of a sudden you can't trust your body anymore. So did that hold you back in pushing yourself during practices? Yeah, exactly. And those, those types of things and matches and... I develop. I tried to develop my playing style more towards being more a tactical, technical player. But like, like I said, I, I was never like that. I was the physical player. I needed to trust my physicality, you know. And a lot of small technical details that I'm not going to go into. But yeah, it took away my profile, and I had to basically relearn it. And my physicality was maybe sixty percent of what it was. So, yeah, I still had some skills to be able to play at some level, but it wasn't really what it was. And I think all in all together, then the motivation kind of just dropped. And in the end, I didn't really enjoy it at all. So I did it for a couple of years. In the end, I only did it for the social part, you know, the friends in the national team. And, uh, but I myself didn't really enjoy it that much. So then I think you quit after a while. Yeah. Yeah. Was that an overnight decision? No, not really. Not really. I was really fed up with it. And you can imagine if you do something at some level yeah. and then you try to come back and you can't do it the same way and the same level. You have to compete with the lower level athletes. It's not, it's not the same. Did you feel fulfilled when you because you said you accomplished your goals that you like had in mind so in the end when you quit after you recovered that you feel fulfilled with your career yeah I always try to be happy with my choices and uh, things that happen uh, in life and of course there's a lot of things that happen now that hasn't happened if it wasn't for the illness a lot of positive things as well and a lot of life lessons learned for sure so yeah looking back at the career yeah yeah I, I am happy of course, I could have, could have done more. I could have gone a different route. And you can always look back and say, now, if I'd done this differently, then uh, it would look different. But in any case, yeah, looking at my situation, where I came from, what I did, you know, it went well. I had fun. I learned a lot. I accomplished some things that are nice for me. You know, I met a lot of great people and great friends and moved abroad you know there's a lot of nice things that come come with it and yeah I said I wanted 10 national titles before I ended and then when I stopped and I saw well I have four individual so yeah I missed six but I do have 10 in total including the team so now okay let's uh, let's uh, call that the okay then yeah with what happened so yeah overall I would say uh, I'm happy uh, once you quit, um, I, I talk to a lot of like former elite athletes for the podcast. And what I hear often is that they either fall into like, as we call in Dutch, a black hole or they have an identity crisis or both mixed up. Did you experience any of those things? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Well, I was in a black hole, but a different black hole. Yeah, I can Where imagine. you focus more on just getting healthy and not being sick compared to a, a normal uh, retirement where you maybe have to figure out what to do with your life. And what we talked about before as well, you see when some athletes stop and they have another goal ahead of them, they have a study or a job to go to or family or something to drive them and put their energy into. Now they seem to deal better with those who put 
everything into the sport and all of a sudden that's gone. Definitely, yeah. Right? I think that is... So your illness actually helped you to not like completely fall into a black hole and because that was the goal, I think, to get better. Yeah, so it's just a different black hole. But uh, I tried to put the things like my athlete mentality then into getting healthier. Um, and it's funny because you have to do exactly the opposite of what you're doing when you're training. Like when you train hard to get better and if you feel pain, you feel a bit ill, etc. Now you push through, you know, your opponents are always also training hard. You have to do more. But with the chronic fatigue, it was more the opposite. Like a day of doing nothing, now that's a good day. Then you have to give yourself a star in the book. And if you do that again a few days now, a month of laying in bed now, good job. You know, and try to walk some stairs. Okay, now, uh, could you do it? Now, great. That must have been really hard. I know yeah. from my own experience, like listening, that it was a whole journey of starting to listen to my body instead of pushing through. And it must have been maybe the same for you, I, I guess. Yeah, it's same, same, but different. Yeah. It's just putting your focus into something else. And of course, yeah, you asked if the army taught me something in my athlete's career, not so much, but the athlete's career has taught me a lot about, you know, dealing with normal life and other things later and can also be transitioned into whatever business or uh, definitely a lot of other things. How so? You may, you, it triggered me to, can you maybe elaborate on what the athlete, athlete life learned you to like in skills wise for the normal life? Yeah, maybe the answer you're looking for, like from the army, you know, just the uh, structure, uh, discipline, and you know, you're always gonna meet obstacles. It's a bit of a cliche, right? But the most successful people are the ones that meet a lot of obstacles and have a lot of setbacks, but keep pushing through. And that's exactly what it's like as an athlete. Now you just lose and lose and lose and lose and lose until in the end, maybe you get a win, and that feels extra good, right? And then you're at a different level. And also, yeah, if you're starting a business as well, now with my business too, now there's been a lot of setbacks, you know, but you keep plucking through, you keep learning and keep developing and keep pushing through. And in the end, now you will get some reward. So I think the, the overall summary is determination, I guess. Yeah, what, what did you learn from an athlete's career? There's a lot of things. Yeah, but determination is one of the big ones, absolutely. And that's something you currently use in your normal life as well yeah absolutely everything are there other things that you learned like in the athlete's life that you now use maybe negative positive negative yeah well we talk about the the, the mentality right that uh, well the, the micro ambitious thing i think also helps me a lot um, i don't look too far ahead but I always want to improve a little bit and getting better at whatever it is it being a you know, a good physio or a good uh, colleague or, you know, a good boyfriend, a good son or father or uh, etc. You know, you always want to do better, you know, in the small things. Yeah, negative. I think there's a lot of, or a lot of, there might also be negative sides to it. The, the perfectionism aspect of it, perhaps. I didn't, yeah, I don't normally tend to focus too much on the negative things. Um, I haven't really thought about that, but I'm trying to think more about the positive things I can get out Which of it. Which is good, yeah. I always ask this question as the last question in the podcast, and I think it's a nice bridge toward what your last answer was. What advice would you give your younger self right now? And you can choose the age. 
Well, the most obvious one is naturally listen to your body. So yeah, once I got uh, sick, I could have easily uh, stopped there, took my time, get better, got some tests done. And uh, yeah, things might have looked uh, a bit different. Another thing, a bit more uh, sport specific perhaps, uh, is that uh, for a long time I, I focused only on my technique because it was not good enough. And like I said, I compensated too much with my physicality. And I spent six years just working, working, working on that, but it didn't really improve to the level I wanted it to. So maybe another advice would be, you know, also focus on your strengths, not your weaknesses. Because I think I would have improved a lot more if I changed the game to my strengths more than trying to work only on my weaknesses. That's, that's very nice advice. Yeah. And um, thank you so much that you wanted to join the podcast and tell your story. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Kim currently works as a physiotherapist and you can find more information about this practice on www.completephysiofitness.com or on Instagram at completephysiofitness. This podcast was created, hosted, edited and produced by Annette Bakker and the music is We Are Free by Ixen. Mm-hmm.